Hello, and thanks for joining us on Bound for Success. I'm Lucy Ravenwood, and today's conversation is with Richard Thompson, Ultraman Triathlon World Champion and World Record Holder and Director of T-Zero Multisport. Richard and I sat down for this conversation pre-COVID-19, and since then, a lot has happened and much has changed. So we've taken the opportunity to preface this discussion with a few updates from Richard since March 2020. In this conversation, we discuss a lot about Ultraman, which is an endurance competition of a whopping 517 and a half kilometers involving a 10 kilometer open water swim, 423 kilometer cross country cycling, and an 84 kilometer ultra marathon run. Richard won the world championship in 2019 and is the current world record holder. In a typical scenario, 10 months out from a race, Richard would be training around 30 hours per week. But due to family commitments and other priorities that have stemmed from COVID-19 restrictions, his training has been sitting around 12 hours per week, down to even none. Ultraman Australia was due to be held in May 2021 on the Sunshine Coast, but has now been moved to May 2022 which will allow everyone greater capacity to really build into that period of time with greater mental and physical focus. Now to take a look at things from a business perspective. Richard's business, T-Zero Multisport, is Australia's largest online endurance coaching business. Fortunately, he's reported that COVID-19 hasn't significantly impacted their business due to the model already being online, being very light on expenses, and that their clientele are very much long-term focused in their training for endurance sports, not just short-term one-off training programs for clients wanting to participate in one race or event. Not only this, but maintaining consumer confidence by offering some flexibility and great communication have put them in good stead to retain a solid client base and even see some early growth in new inquiries. Understandably, Richard and his team are conscious of what Australia's economic situation may mean for them as time goes on. However, the measures they're adopting so far have been very positive. Overall, COVID saw Richard living to the mantra, keep it skinny. No overspend, no excess of anything, just getting through the day-to-day motions of keeping his loved ones safe and his business steady and getting back to the basics of survival mode. Happily, Richard and his wife have recently welcomed their third child into the world, so along with the business and Ultraman training looking to return to somewhat normal over the coming months, they'll certainly have their work cut out for them, and we wish them all the very best. So we'll get into the discussion with Richard now. Thanks again for joining us. Delighted to be here today with Richard Thompson of T-Zero Multisport, one of Australia's largest online endurance coaching businesses. So Richard's an ultraman triathlete, um, business owner and endurance coach that goes by the adage of live your potential. Welcome, Richard, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I must admit that in preparation for our chat today, I felt compelled to get out for a run this morning in order to feel mildly worthy of conducting this interview. So uh, well done. You've already inspired one more individual. (laughs) Very good. Um, So you have a a truly exceptional story that continues to unfold, Um, ultramarathon triathlon world record holder on debut in 2017 right here on the Sunshine Coast and world champion in Hawaii in 2019. You're director and head coach of T-Zero Multisport and also a lawyer. I'd love for you to take us through your story. Yeah, certainly had a number of chapters uh, growing up, but uh, yeah, I became into sort of triathlon when I was young, uh, maybe just out of school um, and I was useless at it just to lose weight and get fit, I guess. And um, then found that I really enjoyed it and um, found that I was okay at it. I wouldn't say that it was like a duck to water, but it was, uh, I think I enjoyed it, which is the most important thing. And I just kept at it. And then, um, yeah, then did law at at uni and uh, graduated um, with, with law and accounting as a second degree. And um, and then went up to the, then we moved to the Sunshine Coast, and yeah, I started practicing law and um, based myself worked in a, a fairly well known law firm at Nambour and really enjoyed it. Yeah, and practiced for about five years. Tell us how you got into the Ultraman events. What what 
got you into that, I suppose, extreme level of triathlon in the first place? Yeah, so while I was a lawyer, I wasn't really training. Um, and, you know, that was from sort of mid-20s to, to late-20s. And around when we, we had our first child and I sort of thought um, it would be wonderful to be able to go back into triathlon as a, 30, as a young 30-year-old, mm-hmm. or as an early 30-year-old rather, um, and see what I could do as an athlete. Um, I was coaching part-time then, um, athletes, but I sort of thought uh, I'd love to be able to see what, yeah, what I was able to do. And I think um, I, was a ju- I was a junior world champion in the Ironman distance when I was 23. And um, there's that sort of, and a lot of the athletes that we coach, you know, people are aiming for, you know, enormous amount of sacrifice and then to be able to perform on the day of days, right? And that performance, not necessarily needing to constitute a result or a win, but needing to um, know that you cross the finish line and you that that represents who you are. So kind of long story short, we, we, we got home, that was late 16 and I was grinding my teeth and my wife does ultra running so she runs for days at a time and she had a big competition in the second half of the next year so I only had really a handful of months to play with at the start of 2017 and then Ultraman came up now Ultraman is is a is a different sport in that it's still triathlon and it's it's in existence for the last 30 years or 35 years like Ironman but um, Ironman's beautiful in that you know, you've got a team surrounding you to get you to the start line. This is like any other triathlon. Yep. Um, and you, when the gun goes, you're on your own, right? You've got to make every single decision for yourself and you get to the finish line because under your own steam, but also under your own decisions. Ultraman is different in that it's a three-day event and you have a support crew, like if anyone's seen the Tour de France, it's like that. So the organizers don't give you any water, they don't give you any food. It's all up to you and your car, your support car. The distances are immense um, because if it's over three days, it's a mm-hmm. stage race. So recovery is really important. And in coming out as the world record holder on debut in 2017 on the Sunshine Coast, how did you prepare for that in in terms of, um, I suppose, that mental strength and that that self leadership? Um, I, I read somewhere that you you had actually engaged with former winners of the Ultraman before, and um, I suppose in in the sporting world and in the business world, why is it so important to really get in touch with those people? Yeah, massive for the first year for sure because there's so little. It's such a unique sport, and I guess the crossover to business is that everyone's business is really quite unique. And if you can, but I think, in, but overall, everyone's experiences in that process are fairly similar. So it was key for me to sit down with people who had done it before and understand and just listen. Mm. Like I, I think I spent almost 10 hours between three different people hearing their story, mm. hearing what they did, what the race was, the experience of the race, what is to expect on the race, how they trained, how they prepared, you know, both um, body and mind. Yes. Um, and that was an, that was incredibly um, beneficial. Mm. I sort of, you don't take everything for gospel. You know, I think once, if you can survey, you can sit down with three or four mentors, for example, and there's a common theme that's what you got to pick up on. Whereas, you know, there was one person who, who trained so much and I was like, oh, that can't be the answer. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's no way I could, I need to train that much. Um, but certainly the, you know, especially in for Ultraman, um, you know, which is so, which is so, uh, there's such a crossover to business or anything really is that no matter how fit I get, if I have a terrible team in that car, I have zero chance of doing what I want to do. And so that comes back to teamwork. Mm. And so you can have the most amazing, if you, and I I sort of think about like nothing in this world that's been uh, invented or achieved or or discovered has ever been done by one individual. And you think about 
as simple as the iPhone. Sure, it was one person's idea, but it took an army of people to to create it. Yeah. And even and I, you know, and I talk about um, the the man on the moon in the '60s. You know that it was you know one. I guess it was one person's goal, um, as or one government's goal, I guess. But there was reportedly like four hundred thousand individuals who contributed to that goal over ten years. Mm-hmm. Like one, just putting a, you know, it wasn't so that, yeah. So the idea of this, <clears throat> you know, this enormous, this was our moon landing sort of opportunity, I guess, and um, we had no idea what we we're going to go in for, but. If we had a really good team, then that team would be able to we'd be able to navigate yes. when the hurdles come up. Yeah, and I think that's a fairly similar. There's a very similar um, relationship, I think, to when you're starting a new business or to continue your business is that you'll always have hurdles. I think, um, and things will never always go to plan. But if you've got a very good team around you, then you should be able to. Um, to, to get around them. Yeah. And so how do you how do you build the team that you need in order to succeed? Yeah, and I stumbled upon this um, in the first year uh, without even realising and I sort of looked at it as a three-step process and the first step, I think, is um, understanding what the team goal is mm-hmm. and it has to be a team goal. Everyone is, um, you know... It's an interesting, it's a psychological uh, idea that, you know, nobody cares about, in my view, or my opinion, Mm -hmm. nobody cares about another individual's goal Mm -hmm. and that if someone, you know, if if your boss wants to double the profits because he wants to or she wants to, you know, buy a bigger house or buy a better car, that's not going. If you say to yours team, we need to drive profits to double it next year, no one cares. Yep. And so if I said to my team, I want to become a world record holder, they'd be disinterested. Yes. Even though I know them and they're good friends, the enthusiasm or the dedication to the to the team to the goal or to the to the journey just wouldn't be there mm-hmm. as much as it was. So it's about about understanding what how to shape what you as a leader, I guess, um, how to shape the where you want the team to go as a team goal. Yes. And so we, I, I simply, and it was it was obviously to me that because I couldn't do this without them, then this is our goal. Mm-hmm. We want, I want us to be mm-hmm. the fastest that's ever been yes. in this 30, 35 year old sport. Um, and so that's, that's the first step, I think, is making it a team goal and being very, you know, understanding in your own mind what the team goal is. And then secondly, then is to, um, is to deliver that message to each team member, yes, so that they understand and that they can they can connect with it. Now that that's uh, not as easy as it sounds. You can't deliver the same message to the same person because everyone sort of operates differently and what they um, how they're driven. But is to be able to deliver where we're headed to each member of the team. And it's difficult, I think, in a multi-layered organization, the CEO might say, this is the mission statement for the next year. And how that is, Im- how that is impressed or how that is consumed by the, the workers, mm-hmm. there may be four steps of hierarchy underneath, is difficult. Um, but there are ways around that. But for me, it was very simple that it was just me and my team. Yes. So yeah. we, I sat down with each individual person um, and said, this is what we want to achieve as a group. And, and then the third step is goes hand in hand with that in that um, they need to know their role in that team and they need to understand that they are being relied upon. Yes. Because if you've got a team that there's checks and balances or you've got, you know, if you stuff it up, it's okay because I've got a backup doing yes. your job anyway then there's no motivation and there's no motivation for the backup either. So they've got two people doing 50% of, you know, commitment. Whereas if you say to that person, I'm relying on you. um, And as a company, you know, in a business, that that is the same approach for the receptionist Mm. to the CEO. Yeah. It's having that accountability and and knowing that you have some level of autonomy to to basically get out there and do what you're being 
yeah, rely and, and upon exactly, and that that and that that role is so important to the overall outcome. Yes, and it has to be right. And so for Ultraman, there's four people in my car. There's the driver, who for my my you know we're all good friends, and he's a really good like a real a true Australian, I think, and lovely guy. Probably the, a great combination of. Um, road rage and separation anxiety yeah, okay. <laughs> just so because his job is to make sure that I'm always in sight yes um next to him is uh he's an engineer by trade he's my strategist he's making the decisions as to how hard I should ride or how hard I should run at any one time he's keeping an eye on everyone in the competition and mm-hmm. and writing numbers on like he had it looked like rain man writing numbers on the windscreen yeah. all day and then behind him is uh an accountant by trade. Okay. He's in charge of my nutrition. So he was documenting in this amazing Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Um, as you can imagine, uh, every gram of carbohydrate that I ate from day one to day three. Yep. And just giving it to me as well. And then next to him is um, is another part of another guy of the team who's basically helping with bottles and keeping the morale pretty high. Sure. So individually, you know, and I'm just the athlete. So the if the driver doesn't do a good enough job and crashes the car, then I don't finish. No. If the nutritionist gives me 50% more food than should, I'll be vomiting. If he gives me 50% less, I'm fainting. If the strategist, you know, overcooks my data, you know, pushes me more than I need to for 30 or 40%, yes. I'm literally going back. I'm not literally, but I'm, I'm figuratively going yes. backwards in the yes. race. So everyone is so important and I'm just... The exec- I'm executing, yeah. but that's because they're allowing me to. So um, it's about, underst- I think as a leader as well, is to understand that, is to check your ego at the door. And, yeah. You know, if just because you're the athlete doesn't mean you're any more important than the driver. Because without him, you couldn't do it. And without you, you couldn't do it. It's so everyone. So I feel, honestly, I feel like I was about, I contributed to about 15 or 20% to the overall outcome. Yeah. And that's not even being modest because if you ask those guys not modest at all (laughs) but um it genuinely is and so people say you know congratulations for this result and things like that and it's like oh well if you really knew um you know it's like congratulating you for sitting on a chair that you don't fall off you're like well you know it's the chair that's doing the work yeah yeah um so but i think there's a fair correlation obviously between that and business and and you know if you've got you might think the receptionist is and i'm not saying that you know, in business, everyone's replaceable, right? Everyone is replaceable. So if you have a poor receptionist, then you'll probably replace her. But the idea in, in this is that once you've once you've got your team, you lock the doors. You're yes. all in it together. Yeah. We're going for this team Common goal. goal. Yeah. Mm. And so if the receptionist does a really good job, that'll help you significantly, or your PA, or anyone really. You know. And but it's important as a leader, I think, is to understand that. Just because you're, I don't know, the CEO or yes, the accountant. Just because you're the front man exactly, the, or, or woman, or woman yeah. that uh, yeah, that represents everybody else behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that recognition is really important that, um, you know, you're basically saying in your team that you're only actually picking up sort of 15 to 20 percent if that but because you're at the front you're the one that's obviously that that gains more of the glory um and and the same can be said in in any number of organizations where there are so many people behind the scenes that are actually filling you know that are pushing and propelling that business forward so and i think recognition yeah and i think that um you know, coming on, like, let's say a show like this and to be able to explain it is one thing, but the team doesn't need the public recognition if the seeds are sowed well at the, well internally. Exactly. You know, that they're willing to allow you, you're the face of the company, yes. but they know internally that it's because of their job that's helped that. Exactly. You know? And so, um, and if, if someone's not doing their role or if they can't check their ego in that process, there might be a few, you know, um, uh, people in that whole organization that just don't follow that party line, yeah. then they will sort of, I've, I've found in the past that they've, they will sort of go one way and the team will go the other. And then that person will have a performance problem in, in work because they'll realize that they need the support of the whole team, yeah. you know, and, and if that team weren't 
provide that support because that person's ostracizing themselves. Yes. It just won't happen. It won't work. Yeah. So um, it was a, it was an amazing insight and, and I stumbled upon that in the first year. I was like, I didn't mean to do that process, but it was so, so natural, I think, for me to um, – because I guess I, I was really uh, – you know, I was passionate about us as a group achieving yes. this. Yes. Um, and I had never really done something like that experience something like that where on the actual performance or when it counts you still need so many people yes um and that this then this is not even considering like in the, over the three days there's actually more time not racing than there is racing right. so you know then you go well the rules say uh there are meant, there are only meant to be four people in the car mm-hmm. but that doesn't there's no rules about how many people at home and what was happening there. So we had, it was like clockwork, you know, we had a, a very good friend, a nutritionist who, who cooked for us mm-hmm. over the three days. Yeah. We had, you know, my wife and, and our family look after our kids and um, had the, the masseuse come. We had the bike mechanic come. Like it was just, there's so many people that you just don't see. Yes. And, they, and, it, and the process is exactly the same. Yeah. It's to, the, for the masseuse to understand. And it could be a contractor. You know, you have a, company goal or a business goal and you've got this sort of third party that that isn't part of you know isn't part of your business but you know you still rely upon them to do a good job so you need to be able to do that same three-step process with that person so that they feel included in that team so that they will make sure that they do their very best for sure um and so and it's the inclusivity. Like they feel like they they do feel if you do it right, they they do feel like they're part feel of part of the team. team. Yes, and then part of uh, subsequently that goal as exactly. well, that common goal. <coughs> exactly. And so I'm um I'm interested to hear a bit more about Teaser and Multisport. Sure. Um, so you started the business in 2010. Yep. And um, so how <laughs> how does it work? Yeah. So we uh, so 2010 I was approached by. Um, uh, a good friend now, and he 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 wanted to do an Ironman, which is one of those big long yes. one day triathlons. And I was still, it was just about the time that I became a, was a lawyer full time, and I was like, oh, I could I could help you. He was about 120 kilos and did a little bit of sport, but otherwise overweight. And he gave me a year to prepare him, and I had done you know I was that I was in the sport for 10 years before that, so my knowledge was fairly good. Um, and so I said, sure, well, let's do that. And so it was very basic. It was sort of Excel spreadsheet um, sort of thing and got him to his first Ironman and he, had a, he went down to, I think, 80 kilos um, and, you know, had the most amazing – and that was an amazing experience yes. as a coach sure. to be able to help that. And that's all. He lived in Brisbane. I was on the Sunshine Coast. It was mm-hmm. all just by correspondence, I guess. And I was, um, yeah, that was a that was a really great experience. Um, and then that progressed. So he, then his mates, all of his mates wanted to be part of it. Right. You know, so that then uh, all of a sudden I had five people okay. for the next year. Yes. And um, and that was great. And, and then it sort of progressed from there. And I think... Um, my mum, God bless her, was a was a big uh, referrer. Driver, as well. excellent. Yeah. Good on she your mum. Yeah, she was. She knew a lot of people in that space, and so then I was sort of sitting around. I don't know, maybe ten or twelve athletes yes. for a while, and um, and then maybe in, I think it was in. So I, then I then I met uh, my now business partner Scotty Farrell, who mm-hmm. lived on, who just moved to the Sunshine Coast. He was a teacher by trade, studying nutrition at the time, and. He was doing a very similar thing to me that he was doing his own little part-time coaching thing, and we became very good friends. and And then after, um, yeah, then we were, we often talked about, wouldn't it be amazing to do this full time? Like, that's ridiculous. It's a we're, we're triathlon coaches, and and then um, it was actually around twenty, I think it was twenty fifteen. Maybe maybe 2014, we sort of came together. He came under the T-Zero banner. We still did it a bit of co-op. Like it was sort of just still separate, but we were just sort of, I don't know, we're wasting time, I guess. But um, he was still studying and I was still full-time lawyering. Mm-hmm. Um, and across my desk came this this case, this new case that, uh, and I won't get into it, but it, 
it was a very interesting and it went to the Supreme Court and I was um, I was the solicitor for that. We had, I had a barrister and it there was a new new precedent. It basically meant that it was going to be a new precedent in the area that I was working okay. in. Okay. And uh, long story short, went to Supreme Court, we won, and I sat down with a client that after or when the judgment was handed out and it changed her life. Right. And then the next weekend, and that was an amazing experience sitting down with her because it was a huge change. Like yes. it, it was right, you know, we obviously we believed it was a right decision. And, um, and yeah, and then I think the weekend before I went down to Melbourne to watch a race, to coach. And I watched four or five of my athletes cross the finish line of an Ironman. A couple had done really high performance work, like yes. they almost won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple who were back of the Packers, and they crossed the finish line for yeah. you know in their first yeah. attempt. It was amazing, Fantastic. and then, yeah, and that that feeling that I got that weekend was exactly the same as I got sitting down at the client, right? And so then I thought, man, if I've pushed papers for five years, and people are saying this is like this decision, you know, from the court will, that'll, you know, propel your career and it'll, you know, that's like a once in a career case outcome. And, and outcome. And and then I'm thinking, man, I can go to this. I can coach at races 12 times a year yes. if I want to. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, and it was around the same time as our, our first son was born. And I was like, ah, oh, I could either sit in an office uh, for 60, 70 hours a week and hope that one day that feeling happens again or I can try to work my head around the idea of working full-time as a as a coach yes and so um yeah and so in 2016 we incorporated a company uh, Scotty and I and um we just had a business plan it was I think um it was because it's by correspondence the risk is pretty low because there's no bricks and mortar there's no there's no, it's not a, it's, it's cash positive from day one. Yes. So, um, as long as, uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty risk free in yes. that respect. We weren't pulling out a lease or something, you know. Um, but I moved firms, started working with, um, uh, Kruger Law part time. They were mm-hmm. really supportive, um, down at Cotton Tree or Marujido. And so I worked a couple of days a week as a lawyer. Yes. <clears throat> and then, increase the work with the T's with T zero. Sure. And then at the end of 16, 2016, I think September, 2016 was my last um, day as a lawyer. And we sort of, it was, it wasn't a huge jump, but as in like, they talk about those leaps where you've got to just back yourself, but yes. it was a, all right. I think we're very confident. It's time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. And which was, which is an amazing day really. And, um, and we haven't, we just keep, yeah, it's just been an interesting few years. Yes, yeah. And so how many, um, you employ other coaches as yeah, well? Yeah, so, so we've got um, Scotty and I and nine other coaches. Okay. And we've got, we, you know, when we started, it was just Scotty and I, and we had, I think we had about 15 athletes. Yes. And now we've got sort of nine other coaches and maybe about 120 athletes around us, well, around the world really, predominantly in Australia, but we've yes. got probably... 20% around the world too. Yeah. Okay. So, and are all your coaches based here? They're on all... Sunshine Coast? No, or they're all around Australia. All around Australia. Yeah. Terrific. So, yeah, yeah it's a cool... Uh, it's a cool experience to... Like, we're getting... We get inquiries from coaches mm-hmm. wanting to come on and coach for us. Great. You know, which is... Which is... Which is... Which is interesting. But, yeah, we're in that sort of process of not wanting to you know like sustainable growth I yeah, think and just sure. we want it to be in there for the long term and how how does the I suppose that online you know uh coaching when you're not actually physically there yeah. versus being physically in the same place yeah how how does that compare um I suppose for, for what you're doing at the moment is obviously working really really well for a lot of people yeah. um what are the differences I suppose and maybe the, the pros and cons yeah, sure. to, to your system yeah there are a lot of a lot of squads out there I guess triathlon mm-hmm. squads or endurance squads because we do triathlon and, and running ultra running and cycling and things like that but um I think that and there are a lot of squads you know here on the coast as well as everywhere in Australia and they're really good you know we don't look at them as competition at all because 
people some there's a lot of people that need that social outlet yes and need to say all right we're going to be at the pool at six in the morning every monday and then we're going to go to the track and run every wednesday and things like that but where where that short where that i think falls short at some point is that you get an athlete that says, well, I can't make that session because of work or kids or family. And, and also, why am I doing the same session as everyone else? Like, I want to do something. I want to go some other direction or I'm a better swimmer than that person. Why? You know, so we offer, um, and it's not a new industry. The, the, the online, the correspondence coaching is not. No, it's, it's not, not new. No. But it's certainly, it's tailored for us at least. We, you know, we wanted to niche ourselves to an athlete, I mean, the, the first question we were like was like any business, I guess, is who is our client? Yes. Who is our ideal client? And we wanted, for us, it was important that, um, you know, we it's hard to be, you know, not driven by ego, but we were to be limited to be not influenced by ego, um, I guess, as much as possible. And and so, performance or ability for us isn't required. What's required for us is, you know, we go by, as you said at the start, is live your potential. So is for somebody to come to us, like who are we to say that um, someone who wants to win a race versus someone who wants to do their first 10-kilometer fun run Mm -hmm. who had never run before, who are we to say which goal or which outcome is more important? Like it's all relative. Like that person's 10K fun run who did it in an hour and a half – that could blow their mind. That would yes. be a lifetime achievement for them, whereas the person who wants to win, you know, that's just life. Yes. You know, so we wanted to approach our coaching philosophy the same way and to yes. say we, we want the athlete, we want to inspire the athlete to go and achieve, set a goal that is really big for them and that they're, I guess, committed to that goal relative to their life. So mm-hmm. they might say, I've got four kids, I run a business, you know, I've basically got this time, this time, this time, and this time in a week. You guys may help us achieve this ridiculous goal that yeah. I've set, whatever that is. So everyone's lifestyle is different. Everyone's athletic history is different. Everyone's ability is different. Um, and so we sort of, we take it, we, we go use all of those components and our knowledge to be able to go, right, let's set a plan. This is your program. And so we deliver it online uh, using a software called Training Peaks, which mm-hmm. a lot of coaches use. Um, and so you download an app and, you know, you'll have said, I can't train Monday mornings because I've got to go to do the school run. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you know, there might be a note in there that says, you know, good luck with the school run. Have a you know, nice morning off. And then this afternoon it's a, you know, it's a, it's a run session and yeah. this is the details. So, and with data and, I guess the progress with technology, it's allowed, uh, allow that to happen a lot more freely that, you know, you do a run session and your, you know, uh, Fitbit or your Garmin watch uploads the data into the system. So then we get, the coach gets a notification that says, you know, um, this person's done their session yes. and then you look at that data and see what the heart rate's doing yeah. and you add the science to that and, you know, the, some athletes really get really enjoy the science of it, and you yeah. want to sit down with them and you know really geek it out. Right, yeah. But others um, are happy just to say, "Well, you just set me what I need to yeah. set and, and so, stay accountable." Yeah, to yeah, exactly. Show so they haven't sat on the couch all afternoon exactly, instead of exactly. doing their training. And yeah. so we look at that data and go, "All right, all the the stuff that we give, the training that we're giving them is either working or not," and then as a result, that that changes what we give for the next week and, yeah, sure. and we progress. So yeah. Like, yeah. That's, and then they come, they get to the race and you know, we, yeah, it's, we, we help them through that. At the end of the day, it's them that has to ha- have to do it. Yeah. Um, from, as I said, at the start line, when the gun goes, it's all to them. But I don't know. I, I feel like I probably put too much emphasis on my own, my own responsibility. You know, if an athlete has a poor race, I feel you know, it's a lot, lot less stressful of a job than law. I sort of forget that, but <laughs> I definitely feel stress and certainly feel responsible if the outcome doesn't. I'm, I guess I'm negatively surprised by the outcome. Yeah. Because all the data's there, and 
human body is a great a great thing to work with because it adapts. Yes. So with enough time and enough consistency, results will happen. Yes. You just have to be like focused and not leave your not not, not leave the direction where you're wanting like you wanting to get this goal. And I believe, like I genuinely believe, you can achieve anything, especially in endurance sport, um, where there's not a lot of there's not a huge amount of skill involved, um, as long as you give yourself enough time to do mm-hmm. it. So a lot of people don't achieve what they want to achieve in this sport because they just give up too early. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not linear. So it's a, a long, hard slog. Yeah, it so is. You have to do the yeah, work. You have to yeah. do the time. And, you know, um, someone said to me, even in, you know, who does Ultraman, like, I don't know how you, you know, how you can get through that so quickly. And it's like, well, I've, I've been doing this sport for 22 years. Mm. And without even knowing that that's, this is where it's ended or this is where it's going, um, it's just turning up every day. Yes. And it's very difficult to replicate that in a very condensed time frame. Yes. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's ridiculous that, you know, Scotty and I have been able to um, do what we set out to do. Yes. In that. And, and part of me as well, I think uh, something that sort of dawned on me as well, it is like, sure, it, it might not be as lucrative as maybe if I was still a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But for us, like, and Scotty believes this as well, like, currency, uh, money is only one form of currency. Um, and, you know, um, the ability, the flexibility, you know, to be able to work for yourself, yes. at least for us. Yes. It was, was is amazing. Yes. You know? And in a field that you absolutely love. Exactly, right. So. And, and, and to be able to, there's obviously stresses involved with that as well, but. Yeah. Because you're always working. Yes. You know, you're never on holidays. Never really switch off. No, no. correct. And, you know, um, and you're trying to put work, you know, we pick up, you know, the kids, I pick up, the, you know, I have all the kids in, this after, in the afternoon and then you do the, the the dinner, the bed routine and then it gets to 7.30 and you're shattered because you've done training as well during the day and then you've got to punch out three or four hours of work. But that's, yeah. not, un, that's not uncommon for people. No. But it's just what you have to do and yeah. but it allows the flexibility and especially when I guess moving into a tech sector if you can work online then like we went to Europe for three months last year for at least for my wife's running yes you know and I was I was able to you know hang out with the boys while she ran every day during the day and we'd trek up mountains then yes. come back at six o'clock and they'd be asleep and I'd hop on the internet and do, do work, work and mm. the athletes, no one ne- needed really to know I was still there. No. So it, whereas to the idea of asking a law firm for three months off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's just a completely different uh, approach to the, the freedom you can have um, yeah. when you, you don't have to be physically present in an office or yeah. yeah premises each day. So how do you approach that for yourself, having, you know, family commitments, your business and, and you know, with your eye on the prize for, for Ultraman 2021? That's a really insightful question. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I say that because... Um, it is something that I drill home to the athletes that we have is in that you've got to keep that balance. Otherwise, you're no good to anyone. Yeah. And um, last, in 2017 for the Ultraman, you know, we were just doing this as a, we had, I mean, we only had one child, but the balance was pretty good. It was obviously always going to be, you're always going to be sacrificing and it's long training and you're not, not, not always home, but and then when we went to Hawaii, um, you know, the, the idea, we got enough, I guess, sponsorship to move every single person that I mentioned in that team, we got them to come to Hawaii, you yes. know, and that was, so that was, um, that was a, a big enough logistical achievement, but there was a lot on the line there, or relatively yeah. a lot on the line. And we had just had our second boy okay. in June and the mm-hmm. race was in November and we got, I, I didn't feel like I felt like I dropped the ball when it came to keeping that balance. Yes. And um, and so I crossed the finish line, and we became we were the we were the world record holders, obviously at the point, and we became world champions by like the second largest margin in this sports history. And I was like, well, that's great, but it doesn't really mean anything if the balance isn't there. Like I felt like I've sacrificed even. Even achieving the goal, mm. I sacrificed far too much, mm. and um, and so that's and, and so I you know I crossed that finish line and said oh, I'm done, I'm 
retired. I'm no longer racing because it's tiring generally uh, trying to keep that balance. And I think anyone who's got a number of balls in the air can relate to Mm. that, that it's tiring just analyzing whether the balls are all taken care of, all all those responsibilities are taken care of. And, you know, if I guess it's if anyone works late and misses soccer, their kids' soccer practice, there's that level of guilt. There's that, uh, man, at the end of the day, you know, for most, you're trying, you're doing what you're doing for your family. And then you are leaving them to do that. So this is this sort of juxtaposition of like, yeah, like for me, like I want to be able to show my kids what you can do yeah. and what you can actually achieve. But you're, by doing that, you're not abandoning them, but you're no, not no, there, you know. It's, yeah, and it is tough to, very tough to strike that balance. That's right. And so it's, 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 um, it's it, for me at least, it, was, it, was, it's, it takes away energy yes. for me. It's, it's tiring trying to assess on a daily basis with where the balance is. And it's extremely disappointing when when you when you think yeah I, I, I didn't do that as well as I could yeah. have. I, I, I failed in that respect. So yeah, we got home from Hawaii and we were like no more, we're done. Sold mm-hmm. not for the first time, as I said, visited <laughs> you. Sold everything, sold the whole garage of, of bikes and, and wheels, and I just had a pair of shoes left, and I was done. And everyone's like, oh yeah, he'll be back, don't worry. And I was genuine. I was like, no, 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 I don't. I'm so tired of making that decision about feeling guilty rolling out of the yes. house and going for seven hours or eight yes. hours by myself. Yes. And then maybe, yeah, start of middle of last year, um, a friend of mine who was part of the crew, he was like, oh, how fast do you reckon you could possibly go? And I was like, don't ask me that. <laughs> don't ask me that. And so we, we broke it down and thought, if you know, if everything, if all the balls in the air were covered, mm-hmm. what could possibly, you know, not very high performance level, what could we do? And, um, we were like, oh, my, so my, my time at the moment, the cumulative time over three days is 21 hours and 21 minutes. And we thought, mm, under 20 would be pretty cool. So 82 minutes off our fastest time, and um, which is about 9, 9% or something. And I was like, well, that, that, in, that, in, um, that excites me. Mm-hmm. But there's this whole problem of the reason why I left. Yes, you know, yes. I don't want to leave my – I know how much work that will take. Yes much more than I've ever done before. Um, but I don't, I, I can't handle that guilt yes. and that questioning whether or not um, I'm making the right decisions because I, I very much didn't last time. So, um, yeah, so uh, we, uh, we the, the idea then was to make this process of the 2021 campaign um, more commercial yes. so that we can potentially get more sponsors or more support yes. so then that would allow me to work a bit less or work me a little work a lot less okay. in T0 um, which would then open up um, the the time at time, home and, yes. and and especially as well as if, if I'm if I've got if I'm essentially getting paid to, to do it then it's a job yeah which exactly. changes the changes the dynamic Absolutely. a little bit more so um, it doesn't make it any easier, but it certainly is like, well, I've got a job to do now, mm. so let's go do it. Um, so then to make it to make that commercial, and a friend of mine at the time was in the film, and he, she was like, oh, this would be an amazing story, like going into the lives of, of us, but also going into the lives of my four crew yes. and what makes them tick mm-hmm. and you know, the enormity of the event and, and things like that. So that's progressed into a, you know, a fully funded uh, feature documentary getting made about this journey, yes. uh, which will no doubt bring its own challenges. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, it'll, it will result in um, me being able to train more than I ever have. Maybe yeah. I'm optimistic, but more than I ever have uh, while spending more time and being more present, I guess, at home. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the goal setting, um, not only for yourself, but for all of your clients. Um, I was reading one of your articles that you, you have a bit of a different approach to goal setting um, when it comes to limitations. Yeah. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of different ideas to it in that I think people generally, when they set goals, whether it's in business or, or their own curric- extracurricular work or even a family, you know, is um, they set their goals are a little bit too safe. 
And so they may, and, and it's usually dictated by their past experiences. Mm-hmm. So if someone has had poor experiences with goal setting in the past or their upbringing suggests that it's a much more of a negative aspect towards reaching for the stars, for example, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of inspiration there, uh, then they will be, they'll, they'll be far less and they'll, they'll be setting goals that are far more achievable. Yes. So there might be, you know, 5% from last year's numbers. Yeah. So I usually, I like to use the term widgets, which is a terrible analogy, but let's <laughs> say I want to, I want to sell, you know, 5% more widgets year on year. And then, um, and then there's, then, then, so the first step is to inspire people to set a goal that they don't think is achievable, yeah. that think is a little bit beyond safe. Capability, yeah. yeah. So they'll go, all right, I want to sell, let's go 10%, which is a doubling, doubling what they thought was possible. Or in the sport, it's sort of like, you know, and I have this wonderful example where I had this lady who was, um, uh, who was battling with her weight and she wanted to do an Ironman in 12 months time, a very similar story, I guess. And she said, I just want to finish it. Right. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And in Ironman, the rules are you've got to finish it within 17 hours. Yes. And you, and anyway, so she's not a bad swimmer and a pretty, and a strong cyclist or thereabout, relatively strong. And I got her training for the first six months, just swimming and biking, not a lot of running. Cause obviously with her weight, the running was a, was a problem. Yeah. And we got her swimming and riding to the point where she would be starting her run at hour 10. So she had seven hours left to cut off and anyone, well, not anyone, but you can walk a marathon in seven hours. Seven hours, yeah. No problem. Six and a half yeah. for most. And I said, well, we're done. We don't need to run anymore because I can, you've, you've seen in the data that you can swim 4K, you can ride 180 kilometers and now you can just walk the marathon. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you said the goal was to finish, right? That was what you wanted. And she was like, oh, yeah, but I, I, wanna, I don't want to just finish. I, I want to I see what I can do. I like, exactly. Right? That's the point. You know, that's, that's the secret sauce there. I think that you want to be able to go across the finish line and go, that is my best effort. Yes. Not just a walk. Not just, you know, you don't want to just get to 5% widgets and go, well, that's, that's my year done. Yeah. But what I've found is that if you set, even if you set a goal of 10%, um, you will thereabouts achieve it, you know. And then people have, you know, especially as a lawyer, you had budgets. Yes. Uh, and then a lot of companies do. And um, more often than not, you won't get epic fails of budget targets. You'll, you'll just get it. You might have a good month. Because the environment changes, you might have a, you know, maybe ten percent off the next month. But really, generally, it's around that number. And I truly believe that's because that number's been set. And so, if you say, "All right," another example is if you want to go run a ten k under an hour, and you'll train for that goal, and you will be fifty eight minutes, fifty nine minutes, sixty one minutes around that point. Sometimes it's a, there's an anomalies to the to the rule, but. So then, so then, then, then for us, like we wanted to become, we wanted to win and break the world record at Ultraman the first time, and we did that. We wanted to win the world championships the second time, and we did that. So for this one, it's sort of this this next journey. We don't want to, we don't want to be limited to our goals. Yes. And I think that's the step. It's sort of go well. If you gen, if you think that nothing is off the table. You know, who knows if, if you, every day is optimized back to the widgets. If you are, if you optimize every single day and you bring in the very best team and you, you work exceptionally hard with the right people, then you don't even know how many widgets you have to sell. Yeah, exactly. Mm. What's achievable. Mm. So we, we want to say sub 20, but how much under 20 hours is, um, is anyone's guess because we are driven not to a number. Because I think if we, we say well, we want to break 20 hours yeah. and leave it at that approach, we want to do 1959, then we'll be there or thereabouts. Yes. Because we've, we've already shown that. And those results shouldn't have happened really with my ability and, um, and, the, and the terrain or the competition. It, you know, it's just we, we get elevated, I think, because of the group. And so if, if we did 
for this documentary, even if we were like, oh, let's go break 1959, let's go hit 1959, mm. we do that, we've learned nothing. We've just gone, all right, we, we just know. But then part of me and my brain, how I work, is like, what happens if we set 1929? Could we achieve that? Yes. And the answer is probably. Yes. You know? So this approach is a little bit different in that it's sort of saying, all right, let's optimize every day and let's bring in the right people and let's see how very fast we can go. And I don't know what the result will be because yeah. this is the first sort of time that we've we've looked into that approach because not a lot of people um, can accept. They're gonna, you sort of have to let go way. of goals, mm. you know, let go of mm. the fixed outcome of and, and only define the results as a success or failure based on whether or not you've done that journey correctly. Yes. So just one last question before we go. So you've got 14, 15 months um, until the 2021 Ultraman in Noosa. What's the next uh, next year look like for you? Uh, hopefully uh, controlled and consistent training um, and consistent work. As I said, we've got our third, third child uh, due in July this year. So um, I'm looking forward to being more present for the first few months of, of, of that. Um, but, yeah, I think um, just training and, and getting that team, getting those people around us that will need to be, you know, the, the, the key personnel to be able to get that progression happening. Um, doing a little bit of work with some new people and around that mental side, mental strength side of things. Um, but yeah, it'll just be hopefully not too much, too many cameras in the camera crew will be not, not too prevalent, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting journey, but uh, looking forward to looking forward to it. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, we'll be, uh, we'll be really interested to, to keep across your journey and um, yeah, to see where the, the documentary um, ends up. Can't wait to see the finished product <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah, all of this with your training and, and hope that um, you're able to keep that, that balance uh, this time around. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, who knows, you might be doing Ultramans for, for years, years and years oh. to come if you, if you can strike that balance <laughs> and, uh, and get it all right this time. So Thanks very much for your time, Richard. I really appreciate it. Thank you.